Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you are joining us on uh, social media, we welcome you as well. It's just amazing how many visitors we have in the audience this morning. You are our honored guest. We have several that are back in the public worship service for the first time, and we welcome you back. You, uh, there is a worship bulletin. I hope you picked up one of those. And everyone that is listed in the worship bulletin as being part of the leading our service today is here. That's unusual with the vacation season. We uh, want to go to God in prayer as we begin our worship service. Would you bow with me? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble to to worship thee today, we pray that everything that we do would be pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our songs this morning will be number 100 and 101, uh, Holy Ground uh, medley. If you would stand with me as we sing these songs together. This is Holy Ground. Yeah. 
so thankful that we can come together to worship you this morning. God, we ask that you would help us to clear our minds of all the worldly things and to focus only on you and this message from your word this morning, God. We ask that you be with Brother Ken this morning as he brings the message to us. Help, us, help him to remember what he's prepared and deliver it in an effective way, God. God, we pray for those that cannot be with us uh, for various reasons. We pray for the sick. Uh, we pray for those who are hurting. We pray for the lost, God. Ask that we would do what we should do as a church to reach out to these people and to help them, to heal them, and to bring them back to you, God. As always, God, we're so thankful for all the blessings that we have, but most of all for your son and his sacrifice. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Song of invitation after Brother Ken's lesson is Can He Still Fill the Nails? And we'll have a few songs before he leads us. Um, first off will be Servant Song, Make Me a Servant. Lord, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you.
to 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Good morning, everyone. Oh, isn't it an exciting day today? First day of the week. Rain is pouring down. Woo! Isn't that good? Are you excited about that? I see that come down, I think, the blessings of God. In the morning service, I saw some of that type of rain falling. Nellie Caldwell, I don't know if that name rings a bell with you, but she has been on our prayer list the entire time that I have been here. She has gone from one illness or setback from another, but she was here at the 8.30 service. And then Pat Green and Ricky were here this morning as well. She's also been on that prayer list the entire time that I've been here. She has called me as she faced surgery or treatment, and you and I, we have prayed on her behalf for God's blessings in her life. And she was here and so excited to be here. And it just, oh, you just couldn't help but be lifted up and so excited. So we have some people here today that haven't been back until today because of the pandemic. And I want you to know that we are excited that you're a part of our assembly here today. And as Jim stated, we have visitors and we're thrilled that you've chosen to be a part of our worship here today as well. We are actually looking every month at some things that will help us to do what it is that Ezra had set his heart to do. The theme for the year is to seek and to do. From Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, the text says that Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. We thought it might be a good idea if we're going to know God better to deepen our relationship with God so that we could seek and do better as pertains to our knowledge of him. And then we also saw that part of the doing aspect of what we learn is actually with regard to our own relationship with one another. So we've been in a portion of this study that's dealt with deepening our connection to each other. Today, as you might have been able to gather from the text and from the songs that Jeremy chose, that we're going to be talking about what it is to be a servant. But listen, I don't want us just to know what it is to be a servant. I want us to be a servant. So this morning, if you don't already fancy yourself that way, I pray earnestly that God will touch your heart with what we find in the scriptures today and that all of us will leave with that mindset to be a servant. We want to do that because that's exactly what Jesus was. Before we start, let's pray that God will bless this endeavor that we are embarking upon. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the great day that you've given us. We thank you, Father, for this privilege and opportunity to assemble here to participate in these acts of worship, to be singing together, to be praying together. 
And now, Father, as we are joining our minds together to contemplate a passage of Scripture, to meditate upon it, I pray that you will have that word to transform us if it hasn't done so already. Help me, Lord, to communicate your truths in an effective and understandable way. But most importantly, I pray for those who hear your word today, that they will be like your son, Jesus, that they will not seek to be served, but to seek opportunity to serve. Please, Lord, change us if that's necessary. Help us each one to be a servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you probably noticed from the text already that if you're just dealing with people who are out there, some people want to be great and have dominion and authority over you. Some people want to be first. They always want to be first. And no matter how the pecking order is after that, so long as you recognize them, they're good. Jesus said they may act like that on the outside, but that isn't how it's going to be with you. And the standard by which we are to measure ourselves is actually Jesus himself. In verse 28 of this text, we have the takeaway. Because Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Now, we take from this text that what Jesus is trying to intimate to us is that, yeah... He didn't come to, to be served as though he were in some position of authority as royalty and, and all that. But, oh, he came to die for us. And in that death, that he was a servant. And we can walk away from that thinking, that was it. That's a standalone teaching and that doesn't really affect me. But Jesus said, wait a minute, this does affect you. You see how it's happening out there. Not so among you, Jesus said. If you're going to seek to be great, uh-uh, you be the servant. You want to be first, uh-uh, you be the slave. In the same way as I am behaving. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And yeah, to give his life a ransom for many, that would be the ultimate expression of his service. But back up from that. Because Jesus wasn't only the one who gave his life for us. Jesus lived among people, and when you watch him and his interaction with folks, here's what I always see. He always puts other people first. He always takes the servant role. He always looks to and tries to satisfy the need that exists. A typical description of Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now you might say it was enough that Jesus humbled himself and became a man. That's bad enough. But this text says he did not stop there. That even in the form of a man, which would have been an extraordinary leap, practically unfathomable, 
the difference between being in glory as God and then coming down here apart from that glory as a man. That would be enough. But he says, in this form as a man, he went a step further in that he died for us. Jesus was a giver. He was not a taker. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, we actually have a quotation of Jesus not found in the original Gospels, although the idea is certainly there throughout. But Paul says, here's something that we remember about Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That was the life he lived. What we're being called to do is to be like that, to be a servant. Now, what I want to suggest to you is that servanthood that you're going to express to other people, that's not just going to affect your circle. Because when you behave as a servant around those that you're contacting, that's going to have a domino effect. And as a result of the change that takes place in you, the entire world is going to be a better place. So let's set our minds to be a servant. And I want to share with you today some avenues through which we might serve others. For instance, serve others through well, let's just say it, service. Serve others through service. I saw how Jesus was a servant. In verse 5 of Philippians 2, it said, let this mind be in you. And then it follows up with how he behaved. But back up to the description of the mind, back at verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind did Jesus have? Yeah, he died on the cross. Yeah, he emptied himself the glory of heaven and became a man and suffered indignity. Yeah, but back up. He also put everybody ahead of himself. When he interacted with other people, he saw to their need, not his own. He was concerned, wait a minute, I might suffer. I might have pain and anguish in this sacrifice. No, because I can benefit those who have gone before and everyone who will come after by the measure of their faith related to my sacrifice. Jesus was committed to us. And Jesus, Jesus served others through that service. We also serve others through compassion. Oh, oh I, every time I think of compassion, which if you break it down, literally it means with suffering, with suffering. In other words, if you have compassion for someone, you are demonstrating in yourself your capacity to suffer with them as they suffer. That's compassion. The greatest example of a heart of compassion 
Well, you know, it's Jesus. And it's found in John chapter 11. This is the setting. Lazarus, Jesus's friend, has died. Lazarus was part of a family of friends that Jesus had, including his two sisters, Mary and Martha. They're grieving because he's already died. You see, the hope was that when Jesus learned of his illness, he'd come along with haste, heal him before he got sick. But now he's died. He's in the grave. And the grief, the suffering is thick. Now, I'll tell you something about myself. I, I, I've, I focus on things. I don't know if that is a hindrance or a help. Sometimes it's a benefit, but... When I focus on things, a lot of times I have my blinders on and stuff happens around me and I'm oblivious to it. Jesus wasn't like that at all. Jesus could have a laser focus on something that was important, but still have such a heart of love for other people. He never missed anything. So here's the focus that Jesus has. Well, you know, Lazarus is dead, but this, hey, great. This is going to give me an opportunity to demonstrate my power over death. I'm going to raise that guy from the dead, my good friend. And he could think, you know, as I probably would have done if I'd have been in Jesus's shoes. I, man, I'd walked into that place like a boss man. And I'd be like, hey, you guys, everything's cool. In a few minutes, man, it is going to be great. You know, cheer up. Start patting people on the back who are there in the crowd. and Just kind of get them all excited. That's not what Jesus did. When Jesus walked in, he was in the moment. And Lazarus is dead in this moment. And everybody here, they're filled with grief. They're mourning. So what did Jesus do? Verse 35. Text says, Jesus wept. That's a heart of compassion. Jesus knew momentarily Lazarus is going to be out of that tomb and this place is going to be a party. But not in this moment. I think what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, sure. But we're also to weep with those who weep. We're serving others when we have a true understanding, feeling, heart of compassion when we suffer with others as they suffer. We also serve others through, I'd call, sacrifice. Not like Jesus. I, I, I can't die on the cross for somebody and it make any difference at all. That, that, was, that was a sacrifice is incomparable. But there are other ways that we sacrifice. And, and I would say without even going into the specifics of a relationship and sacrificing someone, look, generally speaking, we are to be a sacrificial type of people in, in the sense that, I, you know what, whether you are changed or not, I'm going to be changed with the mind that if I will go ahead and change, and do what's right, serve God, then maybe the sacrifices that I'm making of my life 
for God will be impactful for you, maybe down the road. Maybe you won't get it now, but maybe that will happen. Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You just go ahead and make the sacrifice. You go ahead and be a living sacrifice that is completely and totally dedicated to the Lord. And as you live that, as that change has taken place with you, then you are setting this example. You're setting the proof, the evidence of what it's really like to be that transformed person. The good and acceptable and perfect will of God manifested in you. Be that kind of sacrifice. Or if, if you did want to get to some specifics, here is, here is kind of a subtle way that the Hebrews writer put that very same idea together. It's in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16. He says, now, don't forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I love that because it is subtle. You think, well, yeah, do good and share. But isn't that what we've already been talking about? Do good as in terms of do God's will. Do, do good in the sense that I want, to, I want to be filled with the will of God and then express it in my life to others. I want to do good to them. It's outward going. Do good and share. So what God has brought into my life, I'm not hoarding it. I'm trying to, to distribute the good. He says in that way, what you're doing, that life you're living of a commitment to God as expressed in service to others, that is a sacrifice to God. And it pleases God to no end. <laughs> do, do good and share. Serve others through those kinds of sacrifice, commitment of the life, and then the, I guess, the, the, the doing of the thing. And then we also want to be volunteers. I, I guess, you know, I want to serve other people by, by a willingness to get in there and to help. That's the idea. Go back to what God's committed to you already. God's been really good to you. When you became a child of God, he made an investment in you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The walk aspect is the life. I'm living my life, but as I'm living my life, doing my thing, I'm doing my thing, not for myself, but, but for the Lord. And he's invested certain works or abilities within me. And he is expecting that what he has put into my hands, I'm going to use to his glory and to the benefit of somebody else to bring them to him. It's reminiscent of Ecclesiastes of all places. Chapter 9 and verse 10. That text says that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Ooh, listen to that now. 
God's put some stuff in my hands. When should I use that? Right now. When has God expected me to do these good works that he's prepared beforehand that I should walk right now? Because if I don't do it now, when? You say, well, you know, the procrastinator in me, tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's Monday, I'll start tomorrow. That's not what this text, this text says you don't have tomorrow. All you have is right now. If you were to wait till tomorrow and perish... I'm telling you that in the grave, you can't do the work. You can't use the device. You can't gain the knowledge and the wisdom because it's all over. What we do is when God has made the investment in us, we use it now. You say, I'm not good at it right now. How are you expecting to get good at it? It's going to come through the practice of it. God is expecting the investment to pay off. So we need to get busy doing the thing. Whatever the thing is, however great or small. If I talk about great works of the scriptures, you'll talk to me about big names like Abraham and Moses or Jesus or Paul and Peter. But that isn't all that the scriptures get excited about. In fact, there's a special little statement made about a certain individual who, I guess, if we were just... Thinking about big things or little things, we call these little things, but the Bible didn't think of it that way. The Bible simply thought of it as the expression of their work for the Lord. And in those terms, her bucket was just as full as any of the others that I mentioned. And that woman is Dorcas, or later referred to as Tabitha. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, we find out that she was noted for her good works and charitable deeds. That's it. She made things for widows. You say, well, that wasn't preaching on the day of Pentecost. That wasn't going on missionary trips. No, but it was doing good works and charitable deeds. Those are big deals to God. And she's noted in Scripture. We can talk about her today. Because she did what God put in her hands. She didn't wait till she was dead. By the way, she was dead as this was talking about her. But the widows, they, they beseeched Peter, raise her from the dead. She's so good. Man, that'd be great. I die. People gather around. Wish we could resurrect him from the dead. What are we going to do? Boy, God has invested something in you that's pretty special. And really need to be about doing it. Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8. Remember that one? Isaiah, he's been purged of his sins. Hey, woohoo, man, I'm good now. But the Lord had a mission for him. Who are we going to send? Isaiah had the mind that we all ought to have as a servant. He said, here am I. Send me. Lord, help us all, right, to have that mentality. Send me, Lord. Let me be the volunteer. I'll do it. Also, if, I, if I'm going to serve others, I'm going to serve others out of genuine love. Genuine love. Not just, oh, I love you. Not that. Genuine love expressed in actions. I know it's important to say that just that way because even in the first century that was so full of expressions of love in every letter, something about loving each other, as much as that was harped upon continually, and Jesus' foundational teaching was about loving your neighbor, still, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, 
Let love be without hypocrisy. You know, don't have hypocritical love. Don't just say you love, but then don't follow it. Here it is. Don't follow it with actions. Everything you see requires a demonstration. Do something. Serve somebody. Serve somebody with your love. That'll be the ultimate expression of it. And I don't care what it is you do. Even if it is generally considered to be one of those high and lofty acts, a worshipful act, Ken, if it doesn't have love with it, it doesn't raise to that level. It's, what lo it's love that will qualify it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It profits nothing to do a good thing, but have no love. To not be motivated by the right things. God help us when we serve others that we don't just love you, you know, good luck, but that we demonstrate that love through the proper action, reflection of the love of God to serve others, serve others in that love. Another thing would be in terms of benevolence. Now, being benevolent is very similar to the idea of genuine love. This I guess the minutia of it is that when you talk about benevolence, you're more often talking about somebody who needs help but really can't respond back in kind. They need you, but they don't have any way to repay you or somehow, somehow treat you in the same way or in the same level to reciprocate. But then there it is, isn't it? What's the motivation? Why do I treat people the way I do? So they'll treat me good? I give and I'm expecting them to give back. That's, that's not what we're talking about here today. In fact, Jesus said, how you do this very much bears upon whether or not you are kingdom material at all. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. He said, no, uh, Lord, I didn't see you. You know, when, when is it that I did these things to you? And Jesus's response is, in as much as you did it to the least of these, you, you did it to me. In other words, when I see those occasions, help that is needed and I can help, but I don't, I have missed an opportunity with my Lord. I've missed an opportunity to exercise my faith. I've missed an opportunity to demonstrate my service to other people like Jesus served. But when I do respond, when I do act, in those moments, we care for someone. Nobody else knows about it. Yes, they do. The Lord knows about it. And when it all comes down, it will be, you know, I know you. I remember you because... When I was, and then just fill in the blank, you were there for me. You took care of me. Kind of a, I guess it's a rebuke and a warning that you find in James chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. Here's the setting. Brother or sister comes in. They are destitute. 
And when I say destitute, I mean they don't have any food. They don't have any clothing. They don't, it's not like they have it stockpiled over here somewhere. And if you can't help, they're good for a few days. This is someone who needs your help right now. And you just put your arm around them and you pat them on the back and walk them right out the door. And say, be warmed and filled. I'll pray for you. Maybe God will bless you. How do you think God was going to bless them? <laughs> God sent them to you to bless. He makes an interesting conclusion of this in verse 17. He says that faith by itself that does not have works is dead. Now, some people lift that text out and they want to make a, some kind of doctrinal analysis of it. Yeah, you know, faith without work, that, that whole, whole uh, deal, theologically, we're talking about uh, works of faith and uh, works of law and make this whole big argument. He's not making a big argument right here. He's bringing it down to where the rubber meets the road. He's already told us the scenario. Here's the scenario. Somebody came in and they needed help. What did you do? So we have faith, so we'll pray God bless you. He said, forget it. That's baloney. That kind of faith is dead. The kind of faith that's alive says, oh, you need help? I'm here to help. That's the work under consideration right here. Got to do something about this. Got to serve the other person. Got to put them ahead of myself. So if, if we're going to serve others, we, de we definitely are going to serve them through benevolence. Absolutely we are. We're also concerned about their souls, so we're going to serve them through evangelism. And when I say evangelism, I mean we're going to share the truth with them. We're not going to share the truth with them because it's part of a program of work that we do at the Boonville Church. For instance, we say, hey, we're going to have a door knocking campaign. Everybody show up X, X day at such and such a time. We're going to get in the vans. We're going to go out there, do that, then we'll come back. We'll spend a couple of hours, then we'll be finished with our evangelism project. Or uh, we're going to put some letters and some envelopes and send them off. All those are great things. Great. But that's not what this is about. This is about, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And when I interact with people, I can't help but want to share Jesus with them. Hey, recently, we've had some local teams go to the state playoffs. But not only that, they won the state championship. Facebook has been blown up with pictures and accolades. Woo, hooray! Won the state championship. We got softball and baseball and schools around have won all kinds of things. There was basketball. I'm just telling you, state champ, woo, can't, can't even hardly contain it. Got it written all over cars. State champs got banners and the... Would you say that you're more excited about your state championship than you are about Jesus? Because I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just going to go out here on a limb and say, most people know about your state championship. Do they know what you think about Jesus? But Ken, we won this. Jesus died for you. <laughs> you know, you're going to heaven forever because he died for you. Isn't that good news? Isn't that greater than a state championship? 
I think it is. Jesus, as he was ascending, figuring that these disciples would be so fired up about it, they would want to share it with the world. He said, Matthew 28, beginning verse 18, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I'm with you. Let's go. You know, let's share this good news. Amen, Jesus. You say, well, I don't feel capable. Mark 1, verse 17. Jesus said, if you will follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. It's a process. Just have the mind that I want to serve others. I want to see them saved. You say, I'm not perfect at this yet. When I get perfect, look, if we were perfect, <laughs> what would? I don't know. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we have a message and we can share it with those who are around us. If we're going to serve others, evangelism's got to be a part of that because that's what's so important for us. That's what identifies us. We are changed people. And then uh, uh, closely akin to that would be the idea of serving others through education. And when I say education, I'm thinking about verse 20 of that text where he says, teaching them, those who had been converted, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So what Jesus had taught the apostles about the gospel, then they would teach the gospel to somebody else, and then they would take that knowledge and then share it with somebody else. See that? On and on and on. That's reiterated in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. The things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See that? One generation after the other, one person to the other, on and on and on. You are here today as a saved person because somebody shared the gospel with you. And then they had gotten it from somebody else on all the way back. So here we are. It's with me now. Now I'm responsible to do that. I would say responsible, but let's back up from that. I don't do it because I'm responsible to do it. I do it because I serve others. I do it because I'm trying to be like Jesus. I want them to know what I have come to know. And then when you get those things right, you're also going to serve others through your example. And I mentioned that from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where, you know, we're going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're the example of that. But Jesus put it this way. I think this is a beautiful illustration of salt and light from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. He said, you, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, they'll see you because you're busy. But they will not see you and then give the accolade to you because you are so diligent in doing your thing within the process of giving glory to God. It's not like you consider yourself to be the main attraction. You're always pointing people to Jesus. So when they see you, they're seeing Jesus and they give glory to Jesus. Let that light shine. 
Be the example that people need to see. treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just look at what's really important. That tells you where your heart is. I mean, you could do that examination. What does it really matters to you? If Jesus pops up quick, Peace. Good. We've done what we needed to do. If it's something else that just really is the major issue, there's some work needs to be done. Because the child of God, when they came up out of that watery grave, everything changed. They stopped thinking about this worldly, and they started thinking about heavenly things. Colossians chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are about at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. All of us today, I want us to make a commitment to be a servant. Are you a servant like Jesus was a servant? Because if you'll serve like Jesus did, not only will that touch your immediate circle, we all get, we'll touch the whole world. We will. Jesus was a giver, not a taker. Now I'm asking you, what are you? Are you a giver? Are you a taker? If you're a child of God, you already made the decision. You made the decision serving Jesus to be a servant. If, if that focus has waned somehow, let's get it back on track, okay? Gave you plenty of instances where that can be engaged, so let's do that. But if we need to pray about it, let's take the time to pray about it. Maybe you're not a child of God, but someone has taken the time to share the truth with you. I, I want to... I want you to know, we pray for you all the time, that you'll respond. We want you to have the courage to step out there in that aisle and come down here and let your wishes be known. And you will be supported because most of the folks in here, they already believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God raised Him from the dead. They've already made the transformation in repentance. They know how difficult that is. They've already made that confession before a number of folks. They've already been buried with Christ in baptism to rise, to walk in newness of life. They've been where you are right now. And in their hearts as they're singing this song, 
they'll be urging you to take that step. If there's anybody here today who needs prayer, who needs to obey the gospel, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come forward if you need to while we stand together and sing. And he still filled the nails every time I heard
Supplies. Okay. We've already heard a wonderful lesson uh, thinking about the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. And I thank you, Kim, for that lesson. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a lot of times we read this before um, we partake the Lord's Supper. And Paul is giving instructions to the Corinthians about the proper way to partake the Lord's Supper. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, the verse says, But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup this morning I pray that we would examine ourselves and think about the sacrifice that 
that he has made for us, that he died for us, and examine ourselves to see if we are living for him. So if you would, at this time, let's pray and thank God for the bread. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you so much for the sacrifice that you gave in your son and for the sacrifice that he was willing to make for us. The sacrifice of serving us and coming to this earth and loving us so much that he would give his life for us. Pray now that as we partake of this bread that we would think about his body that he gave up for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray again. We'll thank God for the cup. Father, again, we come to you thanking you for your love for us, and we thank you for this cup, which represents the blood that was shed for us. Again, we pray that we would uh, examine ourselves and, and think about what this blood means to us as Christians. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. We also uh, want to take this time to uh, think about all the ways that we have to give. We have offering plates at the exits. Uh, we have also online giving and other ways that we can give. Uh, if you would at this time, let's pray and thank God for all of our blessings and uh, what we can do to give back to him. Father, we love you again and we thank you for all of our blessings that you give us each and every day. Father, you uh, often bless us and often we take for granted those blessings, but today we thank you for, uh, thank you that we can give back to you and we pray that what we give back will, uh, will better the kingdom and much good will come from it. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. Good morning. I just have one quick announcement before Billy has all the other announcements. Our K-6 Fun and Fellowship at the park tonight is still going to take place. We're just going to rename it the K-6 Fun and Fellowship in the Annex. Uh, due to weather, uh, we have some games that will be set up. We're going to eat hot dogs. We're going to fellowship and have a good time. So after services tonight, all uh, K-6 families... Uh, Come down to the Annex and have fun with us. Thank you. Thank you, Guy. Once again, welcome you and thank you for attending the worship service of the Boonville Church Christ. If you're visiting with us, we'll welcome you back each and every opportunity you may have. Next order of worship will this evening will be this evening at five o'clock. There'll be a lesson in the Annex and also here in the auditorium. So please make plans to join us this evening. In attendance this morning was the 8.30 service was 114, and for the 10.30 service was 177. 
A baby shower table is in the foyer for Caitlin and Craig Chun's soon-to-be baby boy. Caitlin is the daughter of Dale and Emily Kendrick. I was overwhelmed with the number of cards I received from the Boonville Church of Christ after my fall and then a light stroke. I had intense rehab and so much better and still improving. I'm happy to be in Boonville visiting relatives and friends and worshiping with you this morning at 8.30. Thank you so much for thinking of me during a difficult time. Please continue to pray for me. I love all of you. Sincerely, Nellie Cowell. Today is the day to sign up and make your first payment if you or your teenager is planning on going on a trip in July to go whitewater rafting and to the Ark Encounter. Jordan will be at a table in the foyer following worship to collect payments and to assist with signing up. Please be sure to do this so we can have an accurate number to make reservations tomorrow. Many things are booking up for the summer and we want to make sure to get this trip booked for everyone who wants to go. Brother Stevens asked that uh, make the announcement about the Saturday Bible Camp. This is uh, June the 12th, this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. for the sixth grade and below. Beginning today, if you would please pray every day this week for God's blessing on Saturday's effort. Make a special effort to make sure that your children or grandchildren attend if at all possible. Also, I'll call your attention to the back of the bulletin about SALT Team 4, uh, which will meet in the Annex next Sunday night following classes for a meal and fellowship. Hamburgers and hot dogs will be provided. The team members are asked to bring cookout type side dishes and desserts. If you have any questions, please see Dale or Emily Kendrick or Bo and Allison Gross. Those riding the bus to Pine Bell on Tuesday, please be at the Annex by 1045. The June Golden Circle Luncheon is the Pinevale Cookout. We plan to eat about noon on Tuesday at Pinevale. Prayers have been requested for Kevin Vanderford. He is in Memphis with COVID and is very critical. Kevin is the son of Troy and Mary Vanderford of the Snowdown community. These are all the announcements I have. If you would please stand for closing prayer. <clears throat> Let's pray. Our most gracious and loving Father, we so thankful, Father, for this assembly here this morning. Thankful, Father, that we can sing praises to Thee, petition Thee in prayer, and learn more about how to be a servant. Father, we Pray for all those who are sick, those who have been mentioned here today. Father, we pray for all those who are hurting in ways maybe we know nothing about, those who are incarcerated in different institutions. Father, we just pray your blessings be upon them and pray, Father, we can reach out and support their families in any way that we can. Father, be with us through the rest of this day. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.